to all of us, though I guess it's getting a little less attention. These things have their ups and downs, and you don't hear about it constantly. But that coronavirus thing is still with us, and it's getting around the world. And we're going to be talking today, our very special Mike Adams Tuesday, with Mike Adams. And he has a lot of very interesting and in many ways encouraging news to share with us today uh, that could give you some forewarning about things that you can do yourself right now in order to try to make yourself a little less susceptible to the dangers that might be out there in this world. We'll be right back right after these words. Second week of November, I was privileged to participate in the Red Pill Conference in Mesquite, Nevada. It was sponsored by GW Griffin's group and it brought together a whole array of activists and conservatives thinking through how we can wake people up to what's really going on in this country. There was a whole series of presentations uh, that addressed political issues, issues of health and other things that are being done uh, to take away our understanding of what's really being done to transform this country into a totalitarian tyranny. If you understand the danger, then you'll want to be watching these DVDs. We're going to put them together in a series. I'll be introducing the different parts of the series, and they'll all be available at imtv.us, the exclusive distributors of this series of views of the Red Pill Conference. As always on Mike Adams Tuesday, we have Bob Sisson. Welcome, Bob. <laughs> well, good to be here. I thought you were going to say Mike Adams on Mike Adams. <laughs> no, 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 of course Tuesday. we have Mike Adams, <laughs> but, but you and I both know. The reason that Bob joins us every Tuesday, quite honestly, is that I don't think I have more fun on any day with any program than I do when we're talking to Mike Adams. And you might think it odd because sometimes we're talking about things that aren't exactly fun. We'll be doing it today. But it's fun to hear, first of all, good information that you can use from a reliable source that you can trust that has been produced by a mind that is one of the most delightful that I know of. Welcome, Mike. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be with both of you. It's good to have you back, too. Well, it's good to be uh, back. I was was wandering about the world in in Florida, and then I went back to Maryland for a little while. Uh, I was there, by the way, in Florida when the president gave his State of the Union address. I was speaking to a group of of Sarasota patriots down there and gave a talk, and then we all sat around and had the most remarkable State of the Union experience I've ever had. I thought that was just a wonderful uh, presentation that he made, and sad to say, I did have to sit there feeling charitably sorry for poor old Nancy Pelosi and her rock-bottom Democrats. I call them rock-bottoms because they couldn't get up. Their their behinds were so heavy they couldn't stand up, even to honor the most honorable things, our veterans and a mother trying to find a good education for their child. Couldn't stand up and applaud her efforts, yet they applaud every day the effort to kill babies in the womb. Isn't that funny? You encourage mothers to kill babies and you want to applaud that, but when a mother is trying to educate her bright young child and get into a school that's really going to do the job, the Democrats couldn't find it in themselves to applaud for President Trump's intervening to make sure that happened. Isn't that sad? It's pathetic. These people are pathetic. It's really incredible. Pathetic. 
Yeah. 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 And and look, they just they can't cheer for America. They can't cheer for uh, people doing better, especially, by the way, black people across America who have traditionally voted Democrat now, according to some polls, up to 30 percent, maybe supporting Trump. And why not? Why not change parties if you've been voting for a party that has been keeping you down the whole time and just just baiting you to vote for them while they do nothing for you? It, I'm telling you, Trump is is he represents optimism in America. And, and that's why he's got my support moving forward. He certainly did during the State of the Union address. And they certainly didn't. <laughs> I found that just <laughs> yeah. I think that except for the possibility that, as we saw in Iowa, I don't see how that mess could have happened in Iowa unless practically every single candidate had found a way to do some cheating. Cheating seems to be the way of life for the Democrats right now. And yeah. it'll be a way of death if we let them get away with it on Election Day in 2020. But I think that's the only way that a majority in con uh, of Democrats in control of the House will survive, much less any candidate they put up against Trump. I think it should be a blowout in November the way things are going. Uh, and at least partially because of Nancy Pelosi's little impeachment debacle where it became so obvious that they were willing to tear this country apart, throw the Constitution out, rip everything up into shreds as she did with the president's State of the Union address. That was actually, I, I thought, the Constitution of the United States there that they're yeah. ripping out. That's and, my first thought too. Destroying. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you had a wonderful article up on Natural News which I think constitutes this a kind of good news Tuesday because you uh, had some very encouraging uh, information to share with people. If you're sitting out there worried about the fact that this coronavirus is spreading, that cases do seem to be still increasing, China's practically shutting the whole country down, trying to get it under control, but not succeeding apparently. Uh, and of course, we have had some cases here in the United States. First death reported recently, I think. Um, on American soil. So, but you, Mike, uh, as always, I, I go to Natural News and I naturally find something that, that gives me hope. Uh, so tell me, the article was entitled, and I think uh, everybody can take a look at the page there. I'd, I'd really encourage people uh, to go find it. We've already identified, the headline says, three natural molecules that inhibit coronavirus replication in the body and they don't come from Big Pharma. Hallelujah. That's good news at both ends. So what's it about, Mike? Well, people are waiting for Big Pharma and the vaccine industry to save them. And it's, it's absurd given that, of course, Mother Nature and God uh, created molecules and, and plants synthesize these molecules all the time, natural molecules that inhibit the coronavirus. And it's actually well documented thanks to the research that took place after the SARS outbreak from many years ago after SARS, and remember SARS is a coronavirus, it shares about 80% of the genetic code with this current novel uh, COV coronavirus. And so the, they researched SARS, then they tested all kinds of things. They tested prescription medications against it. They tested foods and specifically food components such as lignans or bioflavonoids, for example, or different types of min minerals and different superfood nutrients, uh, phytochemical extracts. A lot of testing was being done across China, of course, and Taiwan, Japan, Korea, and many other countries. So if we go back and look at that research, which is what I have begun to do, we can identify specific natural molecules that are really shown to have a, a very profound effect at inhibiting the replication of coronavirus in the human body. 
And many of these operate by interfering with what's called 3CL protease, which is a, an enzyme, an enzymatic reaction that viruses rely on once they take over cells in order to continue to replicate. So if you block that specific uh, biochemical target, that enzymatic reaction, then you block the replication of the virus. Turns out there are a great many molecules that are well documented to inhibit that enzymatic effect. And so we started to look at these, we started to identify them. I'll, I'll name just a couple here, by the way, on your show. Mm -hmm. uh, well, one of them is found in flaxseed, for example. And uh, although that was a theoretical paper, not actually a clinical paper, but it, it, it's very likely that eating flax seeds may help reduce the replication of coronavirus in your body. Doesn't mean you should rely on flax seeds as your sole medicine, but it can be something that you can add to your diet and it has zero risk, no downside, no side effects, and you don't need a prescription. There's no harm in it. In fact, they contain omega-3s and are good for your heart, good for, for diabetics and, and so on. So add flax seeds to your diet. The other thing we found is that many of the molecules, well, well one molecule in particular, which I'm not gonna name yet, but I'll tell you a, a fascinating fact about it, is that it, it's grown in tree bark in trees hmm. that now grow in Korea, Taiwan, and Japan. In fact, this tree bark is the component of a very famous type of wood that's used by craftsmen in Japan and Korea and Taiwan. And it has a specific chemical in it that's known, known to be antibacterial and antispasmodic and so on. And it, it kind of radiates this chemical uh, it, it fills the air with it. People make pillows out of this wood, for example, actual mm. pillows with wood cubes. Mm. And this contains a chemical that is well known to inhibit coronavirus replication. So it's growing in the forests, in the countries yeah. where people are impacted. And yet, because of the influence of Western medicine, the average person there has no clue that they are surrounded by natural medicine. Well, I thought that one of the most profound things you wrote in that column, and the ones that, that had me sitting there pondering it for a minute, was when you said that folks in that part of the world could end up dying, and they would be buried, perhaps, in plots that were right next to what could have been the remedy that saved their lives. And I said to myself, what, what are we doing? You know, it's, it's all well and good that we have a science that can produce very useful things. But when it keeps us from seeing what's right in front of us, that's tragic, isn't it? Yeah, the, well, the paradigm that's been pushed on the world is that medicine can only come from a synthetic laboratory run by Big Pharma and approved by a government agency. And that's nonsense. Right. The FDA has only existed since 1906. Natural medicine has existed since the beginning of the world, since humans were ever here. And in fact, 80% of the world relies on botanical medicine as their primary system of medicine, 80% of the population. So, you know, we are in the mi minority thinking that big pharma's chemicals can save us or that their vaccines can save us. Yep. Uh, just today, the WHO said the vaccine is 18 months away. So what are people supposed to do? Even if you believe that that vaccine is going to be your savior, what are you supposed to do for the next 18 months? Just well, uh, yeah. cross your fingers? Well, wait around for them to kill you with the vaccine, I guess. But isn't the United States 37th in the world in life expectancy? It's, we're way up there, which means all our big farmer and hospitals and doctors in white coats, they're not doing anything to help us because the guys that are relying on the botanicals they're living longer than us. Absolutely, they are. Uh, botanical medicine is safe, it's efficacious, and it's affordable. 
And that's why people rely on it all around the world. And there's a tremendous amount of knowledge, even uh, indigenous knowledge about natural medicine. And there's a whole field of study called ethnobotany, which is about uh, the, the indigenous use of medicinal plants all throughout the Amazon rainforest, uh, uh, Tibetans in China, uh, in indigenous aborigines in Australia, uh, people across Africa, the Middle East, uh, you know, and of course traditional Chinese medicine, Native American medicine, and so on. And these systems of medicine work, and they have cures right now. That's, that's mm. the point I'm trying to get well, across. You know, one of the tragic changes in our mentality, I was thinking about it over uh, the time that I was away, because when I drive now, I listen to audible.com books, right? And I happened this time to be listening to a book that was a biography of Ben Franklin. And, and Ben Franklin is one of those figures renowned for his role in our revolutionary founding. A lot of Americans forget that he was also a renowned scientist, somebody who was revered, uh, not just in America, but all over Europe. He got uh, degree, honorary degrees and recognition, and, and his methods were used. And it was because he was a pioneer in research with respect to electricity. But the interesting thing about him was that he actually invented the lightning rod, right? Uh, that's used to help uh, protect structures and human beings from, from lightning during storms. And, and people, all he did was set up an experiment and he found that it worked, right? And he did a lot of research with batteries and things like that, uh, putting things together. And he wasn't trying to figure out why it worked. He was just figuring out what worked and then applying it. People didn't sit back and say, well, we can't use that because it hasn't been verified by this scientific <laughs> and synthetic experiment and so forth and so on. They saw that it worked and they used it. How come we've lost that common sense mentality? Yeah, well, exactly. We've been de-educated and disconnected from the world that gave rise to us. Hmm. So as, as human beings, we have coexisted with microbes, with molecules, with plants for far longer before modern medicine, medicine ever came along, uh, we are biocompatible with the plants that provide these natural cures. And that's what people forget. They forget who they are. They forget where they came from. And Western media, which is run by big pharma, essentially uh, heavily influenced by it, has done a great job of de-educating people and allowing people to forget who they are and where they came from. And, you know, the, the truth is, you know, we, we talk about God and divinity on this show. The truth is, God put all the medicine we ever need on this planet with us, or at least created the mechanisms for those molecules to be created by the plants uh, every second of every day for free. All the medicine that we need is already available for free. It's in plants on land, it's in plants in the ocean, it's in soil microbes, many of which are medicinal, it's in tree bark and tree leaves and seeds and stems and everything you can imagine is medicine, even minerals are medicine. And so if we die from this coronavirus infection, any of us, it's only because we've forgotten who we are and oh, where we came minute, from. Oh, but wait a minute, Mike, wait a minute. I have to interpose a really serious objection to what you're saying there, because after all is said and done, given the prevailing mentality about the universe and the world and how it all got to be the way it is, you're suggesting that we ought to rely on what at the end of the day has to just be an accident, right? It all just happened by chance. Uh, the only way you would trust what you're finding in the natural world is if you make the assumption you did in the first part of what you just said, that an intelligent being put it there purposely 
to no. help us out. No. And once you make that conclusion, you can then look around the world and find all these wonderful treasures that are readily available to you if you're willing to take a look. Which then makes the connection between rejecting God and creation and being stupid about the opportunities that may be out there to take care of yourself in the world that God made. Isn't that sad? That's so sad. Well, well let me remind our audience also that God went one step further than that. He didn't just give us everything that we need. Just in case we ever got really stupid, he put in the book of Revelation that he condemned those who would not repent of their sorceries. The Greek word pharmacia sounds a lot like pharmaceutical drugs. And God has cautioned us, at, now that we're here, he's saying repent of doing that and get back to what Mike's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, because that is how God intended you to live. So, praise God. And there's, there's direct scientific evidence to support what we're talking about here. For example, in the human body, there is an endocannabinoid system. You have cannabinoid receptors all over many organs of your body. And so if you take an extract from cannabis that contains cannabidiol, CBD, that molecule is naturally compatible with your body. In fact, and many people don't know this, cannabidiol contains the exact same number of elements and the exact same elements, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, as does progesterone, the hmm. molecule that gives rise to new human life in the body of a woman. Hmm. Uh, so cr the creation of life depends on a molecule that's also found in a plant that's a medicine that your body was born to receive. Are you telling me that that's random chance? No way. <laughs> no way. Now, one of the fascinating things that you do in the article is to, uh, and, and, and I think it's one of the things uh, it's the reason, one of the reasons that I became kind of addicted to your site in the first place. Uh, because if you are trying to think your way to ways to preserve your health without having to spend enormous amounts of money on X, Y, and Z, exotic this and that, and go to the doctor and wait on this and wait on that. And I had a problem with doing all of that because after a certain point, as the medical profession, and I have to say this quite clearly, strays from its original understanding that they are to do no harm and starts going along with all kinds of nonsense that is directly harmful to either human beings as individuals or to society as a whole, I have a trust problem now. And I think we all need to have a bit of a trust problem with the medical sector. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so you start looking for an alternative. And you have found in this context of the coronavirus, but also it's been part of your philosophy there at Natural News all along to be aware of, look for, and then share with people on a reliable basis because you've tested it. Uh, what are some of the ways in which we can keep ourselves healthy or get healthy when we're sick? And you're now applying it to coronavirus. What are the other sorts of things we might be able to explore that would help in this process? Well, uh, many of the molecules that we're identifying, uh, I look up what foods and superfoods contain those molecules that might be helpful. And it keeps pointing me in the direction of, believe it or not, uh, Middle Eastern food spices. Hmm. So I've been encouraging people to go to Pakistani grocery stores or, you know, uh, I guess Indian grocery stores as well and get this Indian cuisine and Pakistani cuisine, get the spices. You, you can buy them in spice jars. And when you walk into a, a Pakistani grocery store like that, for example, you should immediately be able to smell that very powerful, pungent natural medicine that's found in the spices. 
Turns out these spices are full of amazing natural compounds that are scientifically validated to halt the well, replication of coronavirus via the 3CL protease pathway. Guess where I get and, this advice from all the time. <laughs> I, you know, I'm married. My wife, Jocelyn, is uh, from India. And, and she's always chuckling uh, about the fact that these days certain things are very popular and they're becoming more and more popular in cuisine in America, in England, in Europe overall. And one of the number one things that's all over the place is something you find almost ubiquitous. Once you get to India, you start to recognize it, you walk into the store, one of the first things that hits you is that wonderful kind of yellow-orangey addition to food called turmeric, Mm. which they have now verified to have all kinds of wonderful uh, properties, uh, antiseptic properties, uh, bacteriological properties, things like this. Uh, I, I just find it amazing. But there are others as well, right? Yes. And in fact, uh, curcumin, which is the, the, the most notable phytochemical in turmeric, is in fact one of the molecules that we've already identified here mm. as having this effect. So when you go to get authentic curry from an Indian grocery store or an Indian restaurant, I'm not talking about the garbage processed food curries that are loaded with MSG because they don't have the actual authentic spices in them. Not that garbage. The real authentic food. And you know what I'm talking about, Alan. Yeah, yeah. When you eat that, you are protecting yourself. You are protecting yourself from not just that coronavirus, but many other viruses and possible pathogens that might might infect you. I mean, literally eating those foods is a form of self-defense against this pandemic. No joke. All right, uh, a couple times we've mentioned we've got viewers watching this. A lot of them are sitting there going, you know, I don't know that what these guys are saying. I'm, I'm on the fence. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And there's a couple of books. I read uh, G. Edward Griffin's book, A World Without Cancer, back in the 90s. And it had half of the book is about how the Rockefeller Foundation took over all the medical schools in the early 1900s. So if we got any viewers that are out there going, yeah, what are you guys, I don't know about this, I suggest you get that book, you can get that one off Amazon. Another book that just came out is Mark Grennan's book, Imagine a World Without Disease, and now he's got a second edition of that coming out, and it's a little harder to find. You have to go to his website, whatever that is, but... It's, uh, it goes in great detail with the dates of how medicine progressed from a natural down to where it's all about money now. But if, so if you have any doubts, y'all check those two books out, uh, A World Without Disease by Mark Grennan and G. Edward Griffin's uh, A World Without Cancer. Yeah. Uh, we are coming down the wire in this first segment. I, want to do that. Uh, I wanted to introduce a little something uh, in the next uh, part of our discussion, still focusing on the um, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, And because I thought that in addition in your article, you had some good things to say about, uh, first of all, analyzing what's likely to come about in the future if we continue down this road and what governments are likely to be doing in order uh, ostensibly to try to contain the virus and do other things like this. And you mentioned one big bugaboo that I think uh, needs to be discussed that they will may very well be forcing on us, uh, uh, basically passing laws and doing other things, putting a gun to our heads and saying, you're going to take this or we're going to throw you in jail. And it's not theoretical. 
because the Chinese are already up to it, as I understand it, in terms of the way they're treating their own people. So when we get back, we're going to get a little bit into what is really well-informed effort to think through what's coming, which is always helpful, right after these words. More IMTV episodes? We are now streaming through Roku. Roku is a device that entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more IMTV episodes. IMTV, changing the world. We are raising a generation of young people who believe that as Americans, we have no ground for moral agreement. Welcome back. As we were having, and Mike was talking, we were having this discussion, it occurred to me that one of the problems these days is that people have identified as the only source of scientific knowledge uh, what you might call the, the laboratory science, right? But the, the way that all of this science was referred to in the first place, and it is a way of thinking, a way of using our minds to come to conclusions, it's empirical science. But the word empirical doesn't mean confirmed in a laboratory. It means confirmed by empiros, experience. And experience is something, well, that people have been experiencing <laughs> for thousands of years. And guess, what, and guess what they've been doing? They've noticed that things happen. They've noticed the relationship between cause and effect in the world around them. And by noticing it, not over, uh, what, what laboratory science can do is speed up the process a little bit. But what happened was that over time, people would notice correlations, come to conclusions, and since they were thinking about it in a positive way, how do we maintain our health? One of the things you do is you look at healthy people and see what different, what distinguishes, well, say your diet from their diet, mm -hmm. your habits from their habits, and you try to imitate the best examples, and that becomes part of the understanding, and it's a scientific understanding. The notion that that's not scientific is false. It is based on the same premise as science, which is observation of experience. All that our scientific method has done, and it only is useful where it's appropriate, is to refine and sometimes speed up the process that allows you to understand why something is happening in a more specific way so that you can adapt it to an immediate need. But for that reason, we shouldn't be ignoring what thousands of years of human experience uh, produced for us. Does that make sense, Mike? Because I think that's part of what we're, we're dealing with right now, this, this kind of sophomoric attitude. We've become wise in one way, and therefore we're becoming foolish in another. Well, absolutely. Uh, this, this speaks to how science is contorted to push a specific agenda, which happens to be a profit agenda, oh, or yeah. in some cases, a government agenda to lower the reported number of infections. Let me give you a, a specific example of this, how so-called science goes totally wrong here with the coronavirus. So so China 
they have been frustrated with the fact that the current testing for the virus requires about three days in a DNA lab, like a, a gene sequencing, gene analyzing laboratory. So they pushed their own biotech companies in China to produce tests that could have results in a few hours, like four or five hours. So several biotech companies, they produce these tests in a period of two to three weeks that, that are just now being released to the market in China. Now, normally this process requires two to three years hmm. because you have to validate and make sure it works. And now frontline doctors, and we're seeing this now, we reported on this yesterday, frontline doctors and healthcare workers in China are reporting that these new tests, they're blazing fast, Four hours, five hours, you get a result, but the result, 50 to 70% of the time, is a false negative, meaning Whoa. it misses patients who do test positive via DNA sequencing. So, but the Chinese government loves this new test because it makes the infection numbers look lower. Oh. So mm -hmm. in the name of science, we can now have a, a very non-accurate test very rapidly so that we can have more rapid deception about the state of the pandemic. And this is called science. This is biotechnology. Well, they also seem to be using this whole situation as an excuse to really crack down on their people. And I've heard all kinds of things about what's going on. They're quarantining people, but people in America don't realize that that's forcible quarantine, right? That's going and rounding people up and forcing them uh, uh, into uh, doing what you're doing. But it also seems like, in various ways, that they're doing things to hide the number of deaths that are actually occurring, such as you were just talking about. But they may also be contributing to deaths because they're getting pretty harsh with people who aren't going along with their regimented procedures for dealing with this. Have you picked up uh, anything that's significant in that regard? Well, absolutely. Uh, there are some, some very disturbing facts. Let me share some with you. Uh, we're told that this is limited to China. Uh, we do know that China is covering up the number of deaths. The daily increase in infections seems to be a result uh, primarily stemming from the limited bandwidth of testing rather than any typical growth of, of a pandemic. And also the number of deaths has day to day been apparently calculated to be exactly 2.1% plus or minus 0.1%. <laughs> and that is unfathomable. And mm. if it's real data, you mm. would have variation. You would, mm. you would have, mm. you know, uh, there would be margins of variation, not an exact 2.1% every day. The thing to keep in mind, we're told this is just China, but since January 20th, the number of infections outside of China has grown from four to 464. Ooh. So that's outside of China, which of course is, is a very big number. And then the nation of Indonesia has reported nothing. Now, this is very different from reporting zero infections. They have not reported at all. And the, the, the government of Indonesia says that they simply can't afford the testing kits. So we have a see no evil, speak no evil you know, approach to this. Uh, don't ask, don't tell, essentially, is the policy in Indonesia, which is a very bad policy when you're dealing with a pandemic. So when you, all it takes is one country to be non-truthful about this, to spread it and have no real containment, no testing, no border controls. And, and similarly, the nation of Ethiopia has said, we are friends of China, we're not going to block flights from China. So Ethiopia Airlines is continuing to have flights in and out of China, even from people who have been in the Wuhan region. So now mm. we're talking about depositing infected people into Ethiopia and Indonesia, and uh, by the way, the CDC admitted today they made a lab mistake. They accidentally let somebody go home 
from the quarantine in California before their 14-day quarantine period was up. It was a lab mistake. They admitted it. The person, they, they called them at home, said, come on back to the quarantine. You need to be in quarantine. The person came back. So now we're adding human error to the corruption, the falsehoods, the bad science, the fake science. This is not a good combination for where this is headed. Hmm. Because it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's a little bit like leaving open pits of infection that are still connected with all different parts of the world. Uh, what has been the reaction to Indonesia's failure to report? Are other nations taking precautions with Indonesia or not? Well, so far, just an outcry and a denial by the government of Indonesia that we, we, we haven't detected any infections. So again, this comes back to those testing kits in China. If you have a testing kit that's government approved that has a 99% false negative rate but produces results in two minutes, believe me, that will be used everywhere because it produces the results <laughs> but, they uh, want. But I'm sorry, if I'm listening <coughs> to you say that leads me to the conclusion that somebody's out to get us. See, they tell us nobody's out to get us, but if you're being careless with something like this, that means a whole lot more people are gonna die, doesn't it? Well, it underscores the importance of integrity, not just in science, but in government. And, and the very idea of communism is uh, contraindicated when it comes to integrity. You can't trust anything, much less that a Western government says, but a, a communist government? You know, give me a break. I, in fact, I would say that we are looking at the fatal flaw of communism, which is that they try to mandate and control reality. But when it comes to a pandemic, the virus refuses to cooperate with the Communist Party because the virus is not subject to their fake laws. So the virus does whatever it wants. You can't argue with the virus. In fact, Charles Hugh Smith put out an article recently. He said, controlling the narrative is not the same as controlling the virus. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, and it's especially point. not the same from the people, uh, from the point of view of the folks who are going to be the, the uh, victims uh, of, of uh, this pandemic if we're not taking the right kind of precautions or sharing without let or hindrance information that could help people to keep themselves healthy, uh, whether or not the science is catching up. Uh, and, and that's why I think it's so valuable. Uh, and, and Bob was going to do this before, and we always try to do it every time you're on because it's important to share it with people. Tell folks a little bit about uh, uh, what our experience has been of what's available uh, uh, with Mike, because I know you don't like boasting on yourself, so we'll so do we'll, it for we'll you. So we'll do it for you. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm curious. We have a natural news. You're, you're, uh, how can people get this? This is an amazing magazine. How, is this, the, this is the one that's been printed so far, right? It was, we printed several thousand of them, and we included them free with orders over a certain value. That's uh, how we did not anticipate how popular they were going to be. They're already out, but we're going to print more issues and in include them in orders. So, so this is your main website, you would say, naturalnews.com, right? Right. Where people right. learn about everything. I'm looking at this right here. There's, there's hundreds of stories that you can go to on here. And I was thinking on this on website, I was thinking of the irony of the poor guy in Taiwan that dies of the coronavirus, and then they put him in a box made of wood that had he got in that box just to practice if he fit good, he may have gotten <laughs> cured before he died. That, I mean, that's heartbreaking, that's really. Funny, I know. But, uh, but anyway, on the healthranger.store.com site, there is a lot of just fantastic 
products. And the one thing you know about Mike, I think last week or the week before, you were saying you'd got a shipment of something that went in one of your 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 things, and you just happened you were testing it for glyphosate because that's yeah. what you do, and uh, yeah. and you had to return the whole thing. Because yes. even though it came supposedly from one country, it really had come around about and got to you, and it was contaminated. So all these stuff that you get from the healthrangerstore.com, you can rest assured it's good, clean nutrition. And one of the ways that our bodies fights against a virus is for your immune system to be strong. So it's imperative that everyone out there be getting good nutrition. You can actually be buying nutrition and putting glyphosate in your body so you don't get the coronavirus, you just get the die of cancer. That's right. And one of We're, the things uh, that, that I think it's important to emphasize, at the Health Ranger store, people can actually get kind of prep kits, things that will help you to be prepared yeah. if and when things are going wrong around you. Uh, and, and one of the ways things can go wrong right now is if this coronavirus thing starts to get out of control, one might need to have uh, resources that you can feed yourself with and do other things with uh, that will help to keep you healthier in the midst of uh, the problems and at the same time overall have nutritional benefits and you you actually sell kits to help people stay prepared uh, and I thought that that was one of the more important things to have everybody be aware of as we're dealing with the other side of this because they're uh, and I would like you to, to kind of in the, in the most reasonable way you can present it, rationally speaking, give people a sense of, of what is possible. Not necessarily likely, but what is possible, given that we're seeing responses from governments that are, shall we say, highly imperfect and being influenced by all kinds of pressures and biases and, and goals uh, that really have nothing to do uh, with helping to keep people uh, safe in the midst of this kind of a threat. What do you think is the prognosis in terms of the world uh, that could happen uh, given the way this uh, virus is being treated by governments? And because and, I think that, that having some awareness of the kinds of things you provide would be a good way for people uh, to be directing their thought uh, as they deal well, with reports. Well, start with the, the, the science of epidemiology and pandemics and how they function. All pandemics eventually end. The question is, how many people get infected? How many people die? And what are the implications to society in terms of logistics and financial markets and so on before that virus burns through the population? So, so anybody out there saying, oh, this is going to blow over. Well, of course it blows over. Ebola blows over after it wipes out most of the people in a hospital, too. Every pandemic blows over. The question mm -hmm. is, what happens, right? So let me quote some other scientists. Uh, Neil Ferguson out of Imperial College in London has estimates that he believes this will peak at 50,000 new infections a day in China, and that that peak will happen maybe in late February or early March. There are other scientists, I don't recall their names, but our one scientist this morning I saw a story is estimating that this will eventually infect 60% of the global population, so billions of people. If that's the case, then of course the mortality rate becomes really key. The official mortality rate is 2.1%, uh, but according to our research, it's probably closer to 15 to 17%. Mm. So we're talking about many millions of people could theoretically perish from this if it is uncontained 
and allowed to spread around the world. Well, how does so, that compare to the big uh, um, sort of uh, pur purgation of humanity that occurred at the beginning of the 20th century? The flu. With the, oh, the, the Spanish influence. flu, 1918? Yeah. Well, the, the death rate of the Spanish flu was not as high as uh, 15%. It wasn't even close to that. It, it was, I, I believe, single digits death rate. But of course, the world population was much smaller at that time. So the total number of millions who died, and it was millions who died at that time, right. is tiny compared to the millions who could theoretically die if this pandemic goes global. But I think that the bigger risk here is actually what happens to society when everybody goes home? Mm. When people aren't running the power stations, they're not running the 911 response teams, the police officers are sent home for quarantine. What happens when there's no logistics? The long haul truckers don't deliver goods to grocery stores. Right now, we're already facing a supply chain crisis that, that China has shut down many of its factories. Currently, the boats that are shipping Chinese goods to Walmart's, Walmart stores and Target stores, those boats were already en route. So we will have supply for a while, but about six weeks down the road, you're going to notice some shelves are empty mm. because the Chinese factories have shut, shut down. The semiconductor industry in Korea, Japan, and Taiwan, and Hong Kong depends heavily on components out of the Wuhan region. Wuhan region is known for semiconductor, a component manufacturing. That's being shut down. It also turns out that 70% of the pharmaceuticals that are sold in the United States at pharmacies, at retail, come from China. So pharmaceutical manufacturing is actually being shut down, which might not be a horrible thing in some cases, given how toxic some of these are, like statin drugs. But there are also emergency pharmaceuticals, such as antibiotics for emergency rooms, that would be devastating not to have those, and insulin and things like that. So the logistics shutdown may pose a greater threat to our society than the virus itself. And that's a sobering realization. Mm. But it, it's the, well, I, well I, I was just going to say, Mike, you did a really good 20 minute and two second video the other day on band.video. Uh, the one that says natural medicine versus coronavirus, a special report. Those of you who haven't seen that, go now. Well, as soon as we're done here, go to <laughs> band.video and look up natural. Is it now, where is that on? Is, is it you have a, your own place on there? Well, yeah, now, now our video site is brighteon.com. Okay. Uh, Infowars has band.video, and we also cross-post over there. They gave us a channel. So, yeah. Okay, so they can find it. E yeah, okay. We go Either to Brighteon when we're doing this show, and, uh, and, and it's the same natural medicine versus coronavirus, a special report. Very good information. Some of the stuff we're sharing here today and a couple other ideas that you had about protection, being protected uh, before this happens. And somewhere I saw you were talking, you said, you know, everybody's sitting around going, oh, this is America, man. If I get sick, I'll just go to the hospital and they'll give me the medicine. That's what they said right. in China too, folks. There are no beds. There is no medicine. You're not going down there. You have to plan ahead and protect yourself. That's like saying, if, if the whole system shuts down, I'm going to go to the grocery store and get my food. No, you're not. If you don't have it already, you're not going to get it. So plan there are ahead, fewer everybody. Than, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, go ahead. But there are fewer than, a, fewer than a million hospital beds in America right now, about 980,000. The occupancy rate of those hospital beds is roughly around 75% right now. So we're talking about maybe a quarter of a million open hospital beds uh, across the entire country. That's mm. it. And that would be filled very, very quickly. Mm. And, and also about natural cures. You know, I want people to understand 
Now, I know there's a, a lot of controversy about things like chlorine dioxide or colloidal silver, things like that. But if you just start with food, food that is already being consumed by people and has a history of safe consumption, like we said, you can eat Indian cuisine, you can eat Pakistani cuisine, Middle Eastern foods. These contain powerful molecules. There's no risk to doing that. Zero risk. Well, one of the other boost your nutrition. One of the other things I noticed, you mentioned, uh, you might want to talk about it a little bit, that uh, with respect, I think it was to the flavonoids, orange peel. Orange uh, peel, yes. Which, of course, everybody's aware of. Well, right. Uh, again, if you search out these pungent spices, and, and orange zest is one of those spices, and I'm, I'm looking at nutmeg as well, looking at the constituents of nutmeg, I believe that's going to be helpful as well. The more pungent, potent spices is what you need to be consuming, yet the average American is living on fried foods and processed white flour, pancake mix, you know, frosted flakes, whatever, cereal. That, that is not medicinal food. That's just processed carbohydrates. That's not going to help you. Uh, I think there's a very real uh, a chance here that people in India and Pakistan and so on may actually be naturally very resistant to this virus, whereas people who live on processed junk food in the UK and in the United States and Canada and Australia, they may be more subject to it once the outbreak begins to spread in those regions. Your diet may determine your mortality risk when mm -hmm. it comes to this virus. See, I think that raises an interesting question. I remember when I was campaigning years ago uh, and, and talking about the harm that's done to us because we have adopted uh, a certain narrow-minded view of healthcare, right? Uh, which then separates things into compartments. And though we're aware that, for instance, healthy exercise contributes to your health, that wasn't considered part of medicine. Uh, <laughs> we know that diet is absolutely critical mm. to health, but it wasn't being considered part of medicine. We've allowed this little specialized area, which has to do basically with how you deal with folks after they've gotten sick. That wasn't the way people thought about medical care uh, until uh, the you know sort of laboratory method uh, started to dominate everything. Before it dominated everything, people weren't thinking about healthcare uh, as what you do when you're sick. They were thinking about healthcare as what you do to stay healthy. See, and it's a very different mentality. Uh, and, and, and it's part of the reason I think we ought to stop talking about health care and just talk about health. It ought to be the health sector, with the goal being to stay healthy. But if you succeed in that goal, you're not going to help the pharmaceutical companies and even other companies make billions of dollars. They want to keep making money. And I have nothing against people going out there and making money, except when it's at the expense of the common good. And that's what we've been doing. And I think over the years, Mike, y'all have been doing such a wonderful service yes. because you're helping to reintroduce people to the mentality that's really at the heart of health care as opposed to sickness care. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, you, you've touched on a very important point. The economic incentives when it comes to big pharma and modern medicine have been inverted. Uh, there's an incentive to find more people sick. There's an incentive in that industry to keep people sick. And it's no coincidence then that you have this, what's called disease mongering, which is convincing the population that they need all these medicines. Oh, do you have restless leg syndrome? Have you ever <laughs> felt down ever in your life? Have you ever been sad? That's a disease. No, no, it isn't. It's called living, by the way. 
and you know, ups and downs, but there's nothing wrong with your brain chemistry. But that, see, that's, they try to convince everybody they're sick. So versus, think about uh, a company that manufactures a product that has utility, such as a car manufacturer. A car is uh, promoted to people with its utilitarian properties. It gets you from point A to B. It, it, it helps save time. It, it's safe. It's got transportation uh, you know, capabilities. Whereas a drug is, oh, you're sick. You need our drug. And you're going to get sicker, but don't worry. We have another drug. So <laughs> the economics are totally upside down, which is why I've even said, by the way, I know this is controversial, but I've said that I believe it's wrong for intellectual property patents to be issued for pharmaceuticals when most of the funding of big pharma comes from taxpayers who are funding research at universities that is then licensed to the drug companies to make profits. So we're paying for the research. Why shouldn't we publicly own these treatments and, and let them be more affordable for everyone? Well, see, I think that that's the sort of question that we should really be discussing in our health system instead of being dragged into the debate of how we pay for the ever spiraling cost of a health sector that is actually helping to keep us sick. That doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. It strikes you as funny until you think out the human consequences that you and me and others are suffering on that account. Uh, that's a very positive, wonderful note. Make sure you visit naturalnews.com. Go to the Health Ranger store, take a look around. You will do yourself a lot of good, especially if times are coming that require that we be able to take care of ourselves. The first premise of self-government, by the way, and the one that I think offers the greatest hope that we'll actually stay alive in this country as a free country with a people that governs itself according to the right understanding of God, which is what we're always promoting here at IMTV. And Mike, Thank you for being with us to help pr us promote that idea in this very vital area of our Thank lives. You. And you all ponder what you've heard here and act on it this time. Take <laughs> the step of getting that better information and then join us again here at Let's Talk America.